to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything, everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodonna, along with our assistant sports editor, Bo Troutman. And uh, we are still coming to you remotely from our homes uh, during this uh, stay-at-home time. Uh, we're hoping to be out and about more uh, as soon as we can. And uh, it, it seems like we're turning the corner, but Bo, I just, you know, you never know. So... Uh, I remain hopeful. Um, yeah, but uh, today we're going to talk about the legacy of swimming coach Don Kimball, who passed away this week. And uh, he uh, he left the area before uh, Bo started here, so Bo uh, has not met him. So he's going to be the one posing the questions, and hopefully uh, all you listeners out there will be learning some uh, some things, just like Bo will be about about Don Kimball, um, who again passed away this week. So um, Bo, I'm going to hand it over to you, and uh, yeah, let's. All right. Well, yeah, Dan, obviously, you know, we had a, you had a lot of great stories in the paper this week about him. And, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to find out more about him, as I'm sure a lot of people are. And uh, I'm sure, too, you know, a lot of people get out, a lot out of this just from, you know, people who did know him. You know, they can kind of reminisce and through you and this podcast. So I think this is a really cool thing we're doing. But, uh, yeah, just to start off, man, um, how did you first uh, meet Coach Kimball? And, like, what was, like, the first, like, event that you covered of his? Okay, well, he's, I mean, he coached uh, the club team, Michigan Lakeshore Aquatics. Um, and it was West Michigan Swimmers when I started, and then it kind of split. But he also was uh, the Holland High School girls coach when I started, and then became the boys coach also um, a, a couple years later. So it was, uh, high, I feel like I, the first time I met him was at a high school practice, um, and I went to go, um, you know, to talk to talk to him, him and one of the swimmers. So I don't remember exactly who it was back then, probably Lisa Butler, um, but uh, somebody in that realm. Uh, he also was coaching his daughter at the time, uh, too, and, and just uh, it was the start of, of like this amazing run uh, that Holland had and, and turnaround that Holland had. But it was uh, the first meet I covered was a West Ottawa versus Holland girls meet. Um, that was one of my first first things I covered. Um, to be honest, and that was, uh, uh, West Ottawa was also pretty good, so I remember that being a pretty eye-opening high school dual meet for me, <laughs> because both teams were pretty good, mm-hmm. so, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the first, first I got, uh, first time I, uh, first time I met Don, but, uh, uh, it, it, it grew very rapidly after that because of, um, the success, you know, that Holland started to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, Obviously, he's like a very special coach, and like you know, you told me that he was like the coach that like you knew like best out of all the area coaches. And uh, you know, what what made him like a special coach, like in your mind? And like, when did you like kind of realize too, as you were like covering these events, like that he was just you know this kind of this special coach? For sure. Well, I mean, he's he had all the the normal. When you think of a good coach, he had all the normal, um, you know, the normal traits of a good coach you had somebody who got results obviously um but also you could tell he cared about the kids um but there's a lot of coaches like that obviously the good coaches most of the good coaches are like that you know Mm -hmm. Um, but there was just something extra you could see the the personal connection between him and each swimmer and i mentioned this in in my column but one of the things that i really noticed but i didn't really notice until i started writing the column like i didn't put it together uh was the fact that you know if there was a good swim bad swim whatever after the race he would come and have this moment of eye contact with the swimmer while they were talking about it it wasn't you know the swimmer didn't have their head down after a bad race or if they did they ended up looking back up at him and he just made sure they had this this moment of eye contact that said even if they even 
next thing. Let's, you know, let's push past this and use it as motivation. Like, the support, you could see the support uh, more. And, and, and not that other coaches don't have that, too, but it's not always as obvious and apparent visually. So that was, uh, I think that was, that was the reason that you know, one of the big things that kind of set him apart is that you always felt that support. And then, obviously, the results started to, you know, bear things out as well. Right. Yeah, and, like, and speaking of that, too, like, you know, to make the, you know, obviously with all the nicknames and stuff, you know, if people saw in the paper, you know, all the different quotes we had from, you know, swimmers that swam under him, um, you know, he clearly had, like, this great, like, connection with people. And in your eyes, too, like, how did he kind of, like, even with yourself, like, just as a reporter covering his stuff, like, you know, how did he kind of, like, maintain his connection with you? And, like, how did you see him kind of, you know, it, it takes work to really, like, you know, maintain, like, these, these friendships, these connections and stuff, like, and that's really, like, a cool thing, like, you know, especially, like, a leader, a leadership position like him, you know, it's, like, to maintain those connections, like, how did you see him do that, and, like, how important was that that, you know, he didn't do that? For sure, I think that was one of the most important things of the whole program and helped lead it to its success, its, its sustained success, is that, you know, people, alumni who were successful after the fact, after they left, whether they were successful in swimming or something else in life, or both, or whatever, it, it 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 kind of breeded this uh, this environment where they wanted to be around. So like there was always people coming back uh, that used to swim for Don, sharing great stories and just being around somebody to look up to because you could be like, oh my gosh, hey, that's that's Lisa Butler. She made the national meet swimming for Purdue, you know. And so you have that, and then there's you know, or you know, hey, that's. Um, that's Jackie Woodenberg. She, you know, is she's coaching the little kids now uh, and helping with the little kids, but she's a musician and a music teacher. You know what I mean? Like, there's things, like, it created this environment where there were always people to look up to. Now, it happened on the guy's side, too, obviously, um, as well. But, the, it, you know, he kind of started at, in Holland, at Holland High School with the girls first. Now, he coached Holland Christian in the 90s before I was here, obviously, and he won a state championship with Holland Christian as well, um, and that was with the boys. Um, so he's been around in a lot of different areas where he's had success at Holland Christian, he's had success at Holland High School, he's had success with boys teams, girls teams, state championships, you know, and then Michigan Lakeshore Aquatics Club, um, bringing them into their prominence too. But one of the biggest things he did is created this environment where alumni were happy to come back and for the club time like it, it's like you know during the college summertime or during like winter break for colleges you're getting these kids who went d1 across the country to come back and train for a couple weeks while they're home and it was just like oh my gosh here's so-and-so you know and then but it was like they were approachable you know what i mean like it brought and i think that that brought when you had people coming back that swam at not just i mean michigan is, is a big time swim school but it's not that far but you had people coming back that were swimming at auburn or virginia or purdue or arizona or florida it's it, it becomes an interesting dynamic you know and then them being approachable about it when they came home showed everybody it, i feel like it just them being there and creating that environment like narrowed the gap of from where the kids were to reaching that goal themselves mm -hmm. you get what i'm saying like mm -hmm. they saw the goals and they saw the success and just by understanding that somebody from their own pool did that, it made goals more attainable. So I think that was a big part of it. Right. Yeah, and speaking of, like, achieving those goals, too, like, 
obviously he built Holland into like a powerhouse and like you know, kind of a two-parted question like you know how did like they sustain just that level you know obviously you know saying it you know building the culture stuff is one thing but just to physically perform you know regularly year in and year out you know how did he do that and then like how much fun was it to watch just to see the, their success yeah for sure well I'm gonna start with the I'm gonna start with the second part it was insanely fun yeah. <laughs> it was insanely fun um, they they built this program I watched um they the first year I was here um, the Holland girl the Holland boys won the state championship the first year I was here but Don was not the boys coach at that time he was just the girls coach mm-hmm. and the boys won like one of the most epic meets state meets there were um, and then the the next girls meet they scored one girl scored Angie Grafour scored in the scored in the breaststroke that was it they had one person make a final and score. That was it. I think she finished 16th, which is the lowest one you could score on um, and actually score. So I think it scored one point and finished like 50th at the state meet. And then the next year, you know, they were something along the lines of 10th, 11th, something like that. Um, and, and it built. You had a you, you had a group. You, you know, you had a few scholarship scrimmers in that next group. Um, and then it just you just watch it build year after year. So it went from... Uh, you know, in a in a three or four year period, they maybe a four year period, they went from fiftieth in the state or fortieth in the state, whatever it was, something like that, scoring one point at the state meet to second place, wow. and then they finished second place three years in a row. And the last one, they finished second by like three or two, three or four points. I can't remember exactly, but it was like you know where one spot would have made the difference. Um, and then they and then they turned around and they won three in a row. I mean, you just had waves of these swimmers and i mean during that six-year period where they were second three times and first three times they probably had 40 kids that ended up swimming in college which is insane um so but but a lot of it was due to his job as the club coach at at the holland community aquatic center he was uh the michigan lakeshore aquatics club coach and so he was helping develop swimmers younger you know the younger usa programs and age group programs for pre-high school age kids um really developed a ton of talent there and it started to draw people i mean he had one of the holland high school's best swimmers of all time was from was actually living in byron center and moved to holland to swim for don and she ended up on a world record relay for team usa and you, uh, years later, for when he was coaching the boys, too, there was a uh, swimmer from Iowa named Thomas Rathbun, who was a really great swimmer, but Iowa high school swimming was really not very great, and he knew he had a big potential, so he wanted he went to go live for high school with a family member. He could have either lived with an aunt in West Michigan or another one in Florida or another one somewhere else. He moved here from Iowa to go to Holland High School and swim for Don, and he ended up winning four or five state championships and getting a scholarship to swim at Iowa. And now he's an assistant coach at Duke. So mm-hmm. like this, he's bringing people in from all over the country. So that was, uh, that was a big thing of it, but it was starting, starting young, uh, starting young was the big thing, uh, you know, in, in giving, you know, once you got, a, once they got a little bit of success at the high school level and the club level for high school ages, it kind of, you know, then you see it, you know, then the kids who are in middle school say, Oh my gosh! I can't wait until I get to high school and I can be on this team that sends, you know, that goes to the state meet in high school, or if it's a club meet that goes to junior nationals or something like that. So mm-hmm. it started with those groups, and it just built and it built. So um, and uh, the best year was. 
They have won three, or they have been runner up three times in a row, including like by just a couple of points the year before, where they thought they were going to win. And they threw down the best performance any high school team, either gender, has ever thrown down in the state of Michigan. There are 12 events. One of them's diving. They didn't actually have any divers, which sometimes can hurt, but they were so loaded that this didn't hurt. They won. There was 11 other swimming events, including three relays. They won everything but the breaststroke, and they got second in the breaststroke. They finished first or second in every single swimming event at the state championship meet. Never been done before, never been done since. And it wasn't just that they had a couple of even one, two finishes in there. And it's never it's never even been approached. It started off, the meet started off on the prelims day with the, the medley relay, and they set a national public school's record. That's how they started off the meet. Oh, my gosh. Setting a national record in that relay. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a good way to start. Um, yeah. It's a great way to start. And then it just went on from there. So, um, you know, that, that relay was just fantastic and that was uh, Courtney Bartholomew swam the back, backstroke leg of it, uh, Melissa Vandermeulen swam the breaststroke leg, Taylor Garcia swam the butterfly, and Holly Morin swam the uh, the, the anchored, the freestyle one There, that's four Division One scholarship swimmers and Taylor Garcia ended up being the most decorated high school athlete in the history of the state of Michigan when you add her individual relay and uh, team championships she had 17 out of a possible 20 state championships. She won all eight individually that she could. She won six of the eight relays she was on, and they won three of the four years as a team. She is the most decorated uh, athlete in the history of the state of Michigan high school-wise. And then Courtney Bartholomew went on to make the national team. She won six junior national championships, went on to Virginia. She was a national runner-up a few times, and made it to Team USA, and uh, in a meet that was, it's called Duel in the Pool, which is like the Ryder Cup for swimming. It was like the U.S. versus Europe. Uh, she set an American record in the 100 backstroke, and she was on a world record medley relay with Team USA. Not bad. Quite, quite the resume, yeah. <laughs> Not bad. So that, that was this team, and then you had, but it wasn't just like it was the two of them either. Bartholomew and Garcia won their two events, but... Uh, Haley Thompson won the 200 freestyle, and Kathy Mashevitz won the 500 freestyle, and Holly Morin won the 100 freestyle, and Vandermeer got second in the breaststroke, uh, and like, and then there was, you know, they had one two finishes along the way, or you know, one two, one three, and it was just amazing to see uh, that team was the most incredible team that I've ever seen because they done they did something that no one else has ever done before or since, and then that started them off winning three championships but that first year a good chunk of those kids were seniors so they graduated you know a few state champions out of that then they still won the next two state titles as a team so that that just shows that they had another group you know that just did that and was able to get it done so it was just it was just amazing to watch but it started you know when they were younger and then you know success you know you had the motivation of missing out on the title they thought they were going to win and then the success of, of getting it and having this dominant team and then now everybody wants to be a part of that team and then meanwhile all those kids were also swimming for him for michigan lakeshore aquatics and they were going to junior nationals and winning junior national titles in relays and individual events and everything too and it was this is with the guys now too he coached the guys um you know, a couple years after I got here, he also became the guys' coach. They won a couple state championships on the guys' side too, uh, including one one of the three 
one of the three-peat, uh, the first one, it was the, the guys had won two in, like, the year before, but it was in March, same calendar year, so it's like 2011, they won the boys and the girls, and you had the same thing happening with the boys, you know, where you had kids going, didn't quite have as many national-level swimmers there, but you still had a bunch of kids going, and, you know, you had kids winning individual state championships, and, you know, swimming on scholarship places, and, uh, yeah, it was just incredible. All right, now I have to know. So obviously, a big thing with him was nicknames, which I thought was really cool. And and speaking of you know, speaking of that, it's like for him to come up with, with all these nicknames that you know was featured in our paper again. Um, but then remember those, and then obviously the people remember them. You know, I think that's really cool. And obviously, you had one. Uh, yeah, for the, that's when I knew I made it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were like in his inner circle there. Um, you know, for those who don't know, Dan's nickname was Trouble. Uh, yes, that was the, the was nickname. Trouble. Yeah, nickname bestowed upon him by Coach Don Kimball. And, yeah, and Dan, can you tell us the story of how that came about? Yeah, for sure. Well, the first, uh, you know, I think I came in to do a story that was going to be a little more investigative. And, uh, you know, he just looked at me and kind of, you know, in like one of those, you know, sarcastic things that people say to each other, oh, here comes trouble. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but then it just stuck every time I came in. Uh, he didn't just say, here comes trouble. He goes, Hey trouble, you know? And then it just kind of, it just kind of manifested upon itself, you know, that it just, it just caught, you know, it was just something that was just kind of funny at first. And then it just, it just worked. Um, and, but they also, you know, you know, say, tell telling to his kids too, like that, that was, it was funny, but also, Hey, remember he's a reporter. <laughs> so don't do anything stupid. You know, like there was both sides of it too, you know, and, but it was just, like I said, that's when I knew I had it made because uh, I was around those teams enough that they, I mean, they all knew me um, and I knew all of them. And, uh, you know, you can imagine in that six-year period, especially on the girls' side, how many different kids we profiled in the paper with stories. I mean, it was incredible, you know. I mean, they're, you know, they had, they had like, uh, between in that six-year period, they had between 15 and 20 kids get Division One scholarships. 20, 20 kids, Division One scholarships during that time. That's not counting all the kids that got Division Division Two scholarships at Grand Valley or other places, or decided to go small and stay at Hope and win conference championships at Hope, you know, or Calvin or something like. That's insane. That's so many, so many kids. Um, but I love the, the nickname thing, and I remember some of them. You know what I mean? Like I remembered uh, that Sarah Reining's nickname was Ralph, and because I asked her, about, I mean. I always remembered it, and she joked with me when we were talking for this tribute story that she's like, yeah, you always remember mine because I was always the one getting yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hers was Ralph because she had, like, a big voice when she was a kid. I mean, she does anyway, but, like, a big voice when she was a kid that kind of came out like Ralph from the Honeymooners, and that's how he, her nickname was Ralph. And uh, there's just things like that, you know? There's... You know, swimmers that were nicknamed Jethro because they reminded him of the character. Or the, um, you know, cupcakes. You know, just little things like that. Uh, or he used them to inspire people. Courtney Bartholomew, the one who ended up on the national team, her nickname was Beast because he wanted that beast to come out of her in the water. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, Emily Boss was, uh, came a little bit before Courtney Bartholomew, and she won a bunch of state championships, too. Uh, by the way, if you look at all the state championships in swimming, like the top six, uh, one of them's from Zealand and three of them are from Holland. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, in all time state championships in swimming. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite, it's quite a bit. So 
Um, she was kind of the first, she was like the first phenom. We'd had some state champions before, but she, uh, she, and she ended up going to Auburn, was on the junior national team and stuff like that. She, she was the bubbliest, you know, loudest, goofiest, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. And just had a kind of like a high voice, especially when she was younger. And her, his nickname for her was Elmo. <laughs> Because she sounded like Elmo from the Mupp- or from the Sesame Street, so it's like <laughs> there's a knack to it, you know. There's a knack to it, and like uh, different things. One of the his former swimmers that ended up coaching for him or coaching Holland after Don had left, his name is Sam Sokup. His nickname was I found out his nickname was nickname was Grandpa, and his nickname was Grandpa because Don used it to remind him that his flip turns were too slow. <laughs> So, a <laughs> little bit, a little bit of motivation there. Yeah. Um, like, come on, Grandpa, let's go. Yeah. Um, but then you know you got a you know a skinny kid. They call he called him Stick, a really tall skinny kid. Called him the Stork. Um, there's just uh, so many of them. Uh, one of one of the swimmers has like really curly and like boingy hair, uh, and he called her Skeeter from the Muppet Babies because uh, the same same kind of hair. You know, like there's mm-hmm. just. There's just so many different uh, different layers to that, um, and like I said, I remembered some of them when I was doing this, but and, but I didn't, you know, I obviously didn't remember all of them. But it was just super fun to just relive that bit. The one music teacher that I was talking about, her, her nickname was Short Stuff because she was pretty short, uh, especially for a swimmer. I mean, she's probably an average human being, you know. But mm. uh, you know, growing up with a bunch of brothers who outgrew her height wise, that were younger than her. Yeah. You know, it kind of, it kind of sticks. You know, so yeah. um, and then there's plays off a of, plays off of names too. I mean, like uh, a girl named Randy Windemuller, her nickname was Randall, and uh, Tavon Afric, who swam for him for MLA, um, and was another one of the big top level guys. Uh, Tavon was his name. She, he called Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you just uh, you just never know what you're going to get. But it was always there was always something to it. Either something that reminded him of something that made it or a use for motivation. But it was never like, like if Taban was, wasn't laughing about Tabitha and was like upset about it, it would have never become his nickname. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. It was good. Like it, there was a, yeah. yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a sense of hazing. It was a sense of belonging, you know? So, um, so that, that was, that was where that came from. But I mean, he never had anybody cover swimming as much as we did either, but that was just as much to the success. So that's part of the reason too why I was deemed trouble um, as my nickname. Yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. And kind of staying with the same thread too. Uh, kind of another two-parter question. Just you know, obviously he had a sense of humor, and that kind of plays into the main question is like you know, with a sense of humor, he seemed just like such a charismatic guy. Um, just what were like your like your favorite memories and like interactions with Don that like really come to mind that you'll always kind of like kind of keep close to your heart? For sure, for sure, I do have a few. Um, so and some of them are like more general of things that happened a lot, you know. So like uh, swimmers will tell you, well, the first thing they remember about him is his whistle. So like when you're a lot of swim coaches have like a loud whistle that they either do with two fingers or with just without fingers or whatever because it's got to be something you can hear when you're under the water. So he had this piercing whistle, and other coaches in the area did too, but they were all a little bit different. But when I was covering bigger things like the Olympic trials or nationals or something like that, I always knew where Don was <laughs> in the building yeah. because his whistle was so loud and so distinctive that the second I heard it, I would be able to look and be like, oh, there he is right there. You know, like I appreciated uh, I appreciated that bit of it. Uh, that 
that was pretty fun. Um, and also, I mean, just you know, again, more of a general thing is that he um, he understood that with more success came more coverage. So he so that was something that he he prepared his kids for talking to me. You know, like that they were going to be that this was going to happen. You know, <laughs> like. Um, and he would get really excited about younger kids that were like in the eighth grade about to hit high school. And he would, uh, you know, he would tell me about them and, 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 and build up these stories. But he, he knew what, you know, he, he wouldn't be afraid to tell me about a good story angle, even if it was kind of awkward. <laughs> and, you know, and we would just, he would sit and chat with me like about stuff. And he was one of the first coaches that actually got to know me, if that makes sense. You know, we as reporters, but we get to know a lot of athletes and coaches and officials and whatever else. But how many of them really take the time to get to know us personally? Right. Um, which is not a slight on everybody else. It's an odd relationship, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but he, he definitely took that time, um, you know, to do that. And, uh, you know, he always, he, he would ask how things were going, but he also would talk about other sports with me. And I think that was something that I remember is that he always had, he always had a little bit of a different take on things, which I appreciated, you know, like he would have a different take on why the Tigers bullpen stunk <laughs> or, or why the lions have no hope. And not that we needed too many different takes on that one, but oh, like, yeah. you know, there was always something, something that he could contribute to a story just because he was such a good observer. That's what he did. He observed what his swimmers were doing and, you know, worked on it with them. And he, but that's how he was in life too. So, um, that was definitely cool. But the first time I went covered the Olympic trials when there were, uh, you know, he had uh, five swimmers there, I think, uh, four or five swimmers there, was super fun um, just because it was seeing him in a different element. And, and uh, I was telling a couple of the swimmers this when we were reminiscing, you know, when I was writing the article, is that those are the times I remember the best because when he went to the nationals, he didn't have, you know, you got to qualify for nationals or you got to qualify for the Olympic trials. He didn't have 60 kids. He had to figure out where they were supposed to be and keep track of and everything like that. When teams go places like the state meet or the conference meet or even just their own dual meets. So, I mean, going to a national meet where he only had two kids there, the kids are on their own with their parents. Sometimes if their parents are there outside of the meet, you know, obviously they're warming up and doing the meet. I mean, but like when, when there's other parts of the meet, he doesn't have to worry about 60 kids. So that's when we had some of our best talks because, I mean, before I started also writing for Swimming World, I was, I'm only writing for the Sentinel, and there's two people there. So if they're not racing, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, obviously I was still covering it as a broader sense as a meet, you know, seeing what Michael Phelps did and, you know, people like that. But, like, it allowed us to have this time to just talk about stuff and talk about the sport on a bigger level and – you know, other things going on and stuff because he, he didn't have to worry about everybody. You know, he either had this one swimmer that was there right next to him or they weren't swimming that day. So they were, you know, just doing their laps in the practice pool, you know, and whatever. So I, I think those are the those are the moments I really uh, remember, um, you know, was just having that kind of time, you know. And I learned so much about the sport uh, and the program just from having that time, which you don't get when you're here when there's a million people around that he's got to handle so uh so that is definitely was one of one of the one of the things that definitely sticks out to me uh for sure they also made shirt t-shirts with his face on it one year that was pretty fun uh, <laughs> uh that was definitely pretty fun so uh, yeah i'm sure though you know over the years there'll be more things that i remember you know um different 
different times, you know, throughout this week, writing different things too. I remember different things that I didn't before, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a cool relationship. And like I said, I just, he was the, he's been here since I've been here and, you know, we've been, <laughs> we've technically been all over the country at the same meets doing things and everything. And it was just, there's just not too many people like that. Mm-hmm, right. So, yeah. And Dan, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, you write for uh, Swimming World as well. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of the swimming people, you know, will know Don just from, from around this area. But, like, you know, if someone from Swimming World or, like, just anyone else who had an interest in swimming, you know, they heard about Don or, or something, you know, and they asked, you know, hey, who is this guy? Who is this Don Kimball guy? Like, um, how would you describe to someone, like, what his like legacy is how, what would you describe who is don Campbell? what would like be your answer if somebody like asked you that wow that's that's such a simple and difficult question at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i mean to me he's you know he's the the guideline for what success is that i see in coaches i mean he he embodies everything that uh you know that great coaches do he get he figured he knows his sport knows the details, knows everything, you know, knows about his sport that he can, you know, teach the kids, but he finds a way to make them learn it. And he, the thing that I think that separates him is, uh, and one of the swimmers was, you know, in the story said, said this, he, he, he believed and knew what they could do before they did. So he had the knack. I think that's what really separates him is he had the knack for knowing what everyone's potential was. Now everybody's potential was different. I mean, he's somebody who's, you know, some, somebody who's barely making the state meet is, you know, he's not going to tell him, hey, your goal is to make the national team. You know what I mean? Like, that that would be, you know, unrealistic, and that would, you know, probably make him a pretty lousy coach, to be honest. Yeah. But, like, he had that, he got that next step out of everybody by getting them to believe that it was there. So he got people who, we can go through the levels, he got people who didn't think they could even swim on a team to be on the team. Then those kids, he got, you know, to, uh, to for, from just being beginning swimmers, he got them to score at the conference meet. Then kids that were scoring at the conference meet, he got them, you know, he pushed them to make the state meet. And then kids that had made the state meet, he pushed them to score at the state meet. And then kids that scored at the state meet, he pushed them to challenge for titles. They, obviously, they all didn't win titles, but, like, the amount of kids that finished first, second, or third over that course of the time was astounding boys and girls so you then then you know the kids that are contending they he gave them that push to win and then the kids that won the state championships they got that push to you know to take it to the next level in college or win junior national championships or go to these big meets um and or make nationals we had kids on the national team we had kids on the junior national team we've had you know he's had a bunch of kids make the olympic trials you know there's every step there's one step further you know, Courtney Bartholomew's goal was to make the U.S. team someday. She did. She made the U.S. team. But she also was on a world record relay and set an American record. That wasn't her goal, but that's one step further. And, you know, the same thing for just about everybody from beginner swimmer that he was dealing with to elite, you know, some of the world's elite swimmers and everybody in between. He found a way to identify with them, get them to believe in themselves, and get the maximum amount of their potential. And even if that was a big step further than what they thought their potential was. And that's astounding to me that somebody can, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can get that when you identify with specific kids, you know what I mean? And say, you know, hey, 
and you're focused on one or two or three kids per year. He's focused on 40-some kids every year, uh, or more probably when you combine the boys and girls. He was, you know, you're talking about 60, 70, 80 kids, mm. and he was helping them all get a step further than they thought their own potential was every year. And if I knew what, it, besides the fact that he figured out how to identify with everybody, if, if I knew more than that, it would be some sort of magic potion that I would bottle up and sell, because, <laughs> because it's, it works. But, I, you know, it's it's just about taking the time to be that, that person that identifies and becomes the good mentor and gets uh, that next step out of them. And, you know, did it work for every single person? No. I mean, there's always, you know, think about every team. There's always kids that, you know, don't feel the same way. You know what I mean? Um, but for the most part, everybody that bought into the system got further than they thought they were going to in the sport. And to me, that is, that's a, that's a legacy. All right, Dan. Well, hey, that's all I got for you. But is there anything else you'd like to add about Don Kimball uh, that we miss? Uh, it's yeah. I would like to add. Just I mean, not only during this this time did he help build the the programs. Also, he was coaching his own kids. His son Dan swam uh, for cl- his club and swam for Holland before before Don was the boys Holland coach. But you know, swam for him club. And then his daughter Lori um, swam was part of that team that went from fortieth to tenth or 12th or whatever it was at the state meet and made that jump to start this push toward the dynasty. Um, They're both swim coaches. And I think that says a lot uh, that, you know, usually somebody that's in the pool that much their entire lives and their dad's a coach and coaches all these other people and is always, you know, not around as much, you know, and everything like that, you know, they're just like, you know what, I'm done, (laughs) you know, but they're both coaches. And, um, you know, and Lori is Lori's husband. Sam is a coach as well, um, and that that's what's that's what to me is going to keep that legacy going. Is they're going to they they knew what made him a great coach, and they're implementing that. And there's you know he's had several other of his swimmers, you know, a dozen other of his swimmers become coaches or assistant coaches here or there, and I think that's really where you see what his real legacy is going to be in it that's going to keep going because that what made Don such a great coach is instilled in everybody that swam for him, even if they don't know how to quantify it in their own words. So that's, that's going to keep going. So um, it's just a really sad thing. I mean, he, you know, cancer, cancer sucks. You know, there's no, there's no way around it. And there's no other way to describe it. I mean, he, it, uh, it affects everybody. And, uh, you know, that, that is, uh, you know, it's just really sad. I mean, he's 60 years old. He's got, you know, two, or he's got, you know, multiple grandkids that are, you know, around one years old. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just an awful thing. Um, you know, but that's his, he, his legacy's not going anywhere. It's, it's just going to grow. Um, and I think that that's, that's how you know somebody's impact on a community is when you, when you know that's legacy still going to grow when they're gone. I mean, a lot of people's legacy can grow while they're there, but then it just evaporates when they're gone, and that's not what's happening here. So, yeah, um, I think that's pretty incredible. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us. I really appreciate it. No problem, no problem. And I'm sure there's plenty of things that I forgot uh, <laughs> within that too. I mean, there's, I mean, I could, there's a lot of different, you know, memories that'll probably come to me at different moments. You know, when I'm thinking about him or going covering whenever we get back in the water here again and covering more swimming and stuff like that things that he said things that he did his whistle <laughs> um so but uh yeah i mean definitely definitely a great legacy so well thanks
hopefully things are going to get rolling here a little bit. So, I mean, we got NASCAR going already, and we're getting, we're starting to pick up some things. Uh, so we're going to have some more things to talk about. We're turning the corner here uh, in this country and also, you know, in the sports world. So uh, I'm seeing some, seeing some light at the end of the tunnel here, which is nice. So uh, stay safe and healthy uh, this week, and uh, we will be back to talk to you soon. <laughs>